Welcome to Nuggets Numbers. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday morning. Thank you so much for tuning into the Denver Stiffs podcast network today. Nuggets are on a little bit of a hot streak right now, doing doing pretty well themselves. Uh, got themselves a four-game winning streak right now, coming off of a major win in Boston. Saw Isaiah Thomas suit up for a few minutes during the first and second quarters, and got a nice standing ovation, tribute video, really exciting stuff there. Uh, going to do a little bit of a breakdown of this past four-game winning streak and some numbers at large for the Nuggets over the post-All-Star break segment. They've played 12 games post-All-Star break. I think that's probably a reasonable segment of time to start making some evaluations on things that they're doing well, things that they're not doing so well. Uh, would like to also get into a player breakdown of Paul Millsap. Uh, he's been playing extremely well over the course of the All-Star post-All-Star break time, and especially over these past four games. He's had some major minutes with Denver, uh, done a great job, and really solidified his position, I think, as the second most important player for the Nuggets right now, uh, over Jamal Murray, over Gary Harris, over Will Barton, all those guys. Uh, kind of surprising the way that he's come out and played as well as he has. Uh, but first things first, the Nuggets clinched a playoff spot with their win over the Boston Celtics. As you guys have probably figured out and heard over the past couple of days, this is a big deal. Nuggets last clinched in 2012-2013 during the 57-winning game season with George Carl. That was kind of the the swan song of the George Carl era. As everybody knows, immediately after that, he was fired. Uh, Masai Ujiri left for Toronto. Andre Iguodala departed uh, for Golden State. And ever since then, things were in flux for Denver. They, they tried to stick it out for a season or two. Uh, had Brian Shaw captaining the ship for a while. That didn't work out so well. But in comes Michael Malone, uh, young coach, you know, part of a great coaching tree with his dad, Brendan Malone, coaching the De Detroit Pistons for the 80s and 90s as an assistant coach. Uh, Malone has really surprised me this year. He's done a great job of not just reacting, but being proactive with how he has handled this Nuggets rotation, how he has handled uh, evaluating these guys and, and putting them in a great position to win. Uh, it's one of the reasons why the Nuggets have recovered as well as they have over these last four games. So I want to break it all down. Uh, Going to be a really f interesting pod. Lots of great numbers here. It is Nuggets numbers after all. So let's get right into it. The four-game winning streak has come with a variety of different ways. Uh, Nuggets have scored a lot of points during that time, a few points during that time, but overall they've found different ways to win in different kinds of scenarios, and that really bodes well for the playoffs where things can change within a series and in sometimes within a game. On ahead, uh, situations change, guys get into fouls, uh, different opportunities present themselves, and I thought the Nuggets really handled themselves in a lot of different ways over the course of the last four games. Uh, starting out in Minnesota, they won 133-107 to over the Timberwolves. 
that's kind of a very standard blowout of an inferior team. They were coming off of a loss to the Golden State Warriors where Malone challenged the Nuggets to being the team that they think that they need to be. And the players really have to decide for themselves whether that's what they wanted to do. And and the Nuggets definitely did that. Uh, Jamal Murray scored 30 points in that game. It was an extremely efficient performance. The team had 40 assists overall. Uh, extremely strong offensive performance from that group. Follow it up with a game against the Dallas Mavericks where the final score of 100-99 to doesn't really do it justice. The Nuggets were handling things... Uh, not so well for, for the majority of three quarters. Uh, Nikola Jokic was doing pretty poorly, but he, the Nuggets were completely saved by Paul Millsap during that time. He put up 33 points in that game. Uh, more on Paul Millsap, of course, later. Uh, Millsap did a great job of covering for the Nuggets. Uh, Jamal Murray didn't have a great game. Uh, Gary Harris and Will Barton were in and out of the kind of regular... Uh, point totals and production that they usually get. Uh, Jokic, of course, was struggling for the first three quarters of that game before he turned it on in the fourth quarter, really showed that as the best player on the floor in a playoff series, he could have those moments where he just takes over a game. And as we saw, he hits a buzzer beater against the Dallas Mavericks with them, with the Nuggets down one, they go up one to win that game on a on a very awkward floater kind of coming across the right side of the lane. It was a very impressive shot, a playoff caliber shot. Uh, really impressed with that. Really impressed with how the Nuggets handled those situations all around. Obviously, you don't want to be in that situation against a team like Dallas, but it happens. Sometimes one thing leads to another. Uh, you come up with some adversity and you have to fight your way out of it. And so that's exactly how the playoffs are going to be. Uh, another form of adversity was against the Indiana Pacers. Uh, you get 26 points from Jokic in that game, but he doesn't finish the game, of course, because he's thrown out. Uh, that definitely didn't help matters with, with the Nuggets closing the game out. But Paul Millsap, of course, rose to the occasion there. Um, he did a great job. He hit the game-winning bucket, of course, uh, off of kind of a pick-and-pop with Jamal Murray. He took it right to the rack and finished over Miles Turner in the clutch. That was a really impressive play from him, something that we hadn't necessarily seen in a while from him. But uh, with Jokic sidelined in a situation that was definitely not advantageous for the Nuggets, the Nuggets still prevailed. They still found a way to win against a really good team in Indiana. I know that Indiana isn't playing great as of late, but they're a really good team. They've survived really well without Victor Oladipo. And the Nuggets, though they only scored 102 points, they still held, they still held Indiana under 100. I forgot to mention, with that Dallas game, uh, the defense was incredible in the fourth quarter. And, and I'll get to the defense a little bit in all of these games, but... It was a really impressive performance defensively from Denver as well. Um, and then finally, this past game against the Boston Celtics, it wasn't just one guy who was dominant, although Nikola Jokic, of course, was very dominant in this game, just not in the scoring capacity, I would say. He controlled the game and helped the versatile starting lineup score in a variety of ways, whether it's on Gary Harris kickout passes to the corner for three or... Paul Millsap popping to the top of the key, or 
Nikola Jokic bodying up Al Horford in the lane. Uh, the starters combined for 80 points in that game. And and honestly, when you get into a playoff series, the Nuggets may need to put up those kinds of totals. Uh, usually 80 points is a pretty high total for a starting lineup to provide. Uh, that's saved for teams like the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets who play their, their starters a lot because they don't necessarily have great depth. But the Nuggets have done great. They they have one of the stronger starting lineups in the NBA, and while that has been masked by an excellent bench unit, uh, make no mistake, the starters are really good. That that should not be that should not be understated. Uh, Denver's at their best when they are playing through Jokic, of course, when he's touching the ball. But it's it's him making the decisions, not necessarily taking all of the shots. If the Nuggets hit an average percentage from three or above and Jokic is consistently playing well and finding those shooters, then the Nuggets are going to put up crooked point totals on offense pretty much every single time. Uh, they put up 114 on a good defense against in Boston, and that was a really, really impressive performance. Uh, Boston didn't really have an answer for Jokic down low, and when they started sending help, that's when you see guys receiving open shots for three. Uh, a couple of shots come to mind with that. Obviously, the four-point play with Paul Millsap at the end of that game, but also a couple of times where Jokic is kicking out away from a double team and hitting guys like Will Barton and Gary Harris and Jamal Murray and all of those guys on the perimeter who are spacing the floor in those situations. So definitely think that Denver has a lot of great things going on in this stretch. Uh, during this stretch, they've been second in offensive rating and 13th in defensive rating in the NBA. That shouldn't go understated. Uh, being second in offense, even if it's for four games, uh, against some of the caliber of defenses that they've played, it's really impressive. Uh, don't want to understate that at all. With Jokic on the floor, the Nuggets have a 113.8 offensive rating over the past four games. It's one of the highest marks in the NBA up there with Stephen Curry and Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant and James Harden and guys like that. Uh, obviously, we've grown accustomed to that as Nuggets fans over the course of this season because Jokic has been so good. He's been driving Denver's offense for so long. But you never really get used to it when you when you see him put up in those pantheon of scores. He does it in a different way. He doesn't just create looks for himself all the time, though that is what he's probably best at. Uh, in terms of his own scoring, he passes guys open. He follows up shots and, and helps other people get into rhythm. It's not all on him to score uh, because he helps others score themselves. It's a really impressive trait that not a lot of people have, not a lot of point guards have even. Like He's up there with guys like James Harden and, and Stephen Curry and Chris Paul in terms of guys who help make their teammates better. Uh, it's a really impressive trade, of course. Um, I did mention defense. In each each of the games that Denver's faced over the past four, they've held their team under a shooting, under a league average shooting efficiency, except for Minnesota. Minnesota kind of got away from them. They gave up 29 points in the fourth quarter, probably because they scored 39 points in the fourth quarter. Not necessarily ideal, but they had a 56.2 true shooting percentage allowed versus Minnesota. They allowed a 52.4 true shooting versus Dallas, 54.8 true shooting versus Indiana. And against Boston, a, a 
championship contender, I would say, or at least a finals contender when they come up against the Golden State Warriors, uh, a 51.7 true shooting percentage. Uh, Denver's defense has played great, and a lot of that has come in the fourth quarter, especially in the Dallas game. They The point totals don't necessarily reflect it. Uh, Denver's allowed 29 points, 10 points, 25, and 25 over the course of the fourth quarter, but they haven't allowed crooked point totals, which is something that they used to give up in the past where teams are scoring 35, 40 points in the fourth quarter because Denver just cannot get a stop. That's changed. That doesn't necessarily happen all the time. And if you get a a quarter where Denver allows just 10 points, then that's obviously going to help them massively. Uh, That allowed them to get back into the game against Dallas when the offense just wasn't working. So props to them for being able to do that. Okay, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back. Nuggets numbers, just Ryan Blackburn today. We'll probably have a guest on in another couple of weeks, maybe maybe even the head honcho himself, Adam Maris, if he's willing, uh, over the next couple of weeks. But right now, I want to get back into the player breakdown section of this pod. I wanted to talk about Paul Millsap because he's doing wonderful things that I don't think have been entirely appreciated by the Nuggets this, uh, not necessarily the Nuggets, but Nuggets fans and NBA fans over the course of this year. He had a stretch of games where he was injured and wasn't necessarily shooting well coming off of that injury. Uh, When you're dealing with a broken toe, that tends to happen. So I can't really hold that against him, I would say. Mobility can obviously be a, a big issue, but over the course of the 12 games after the All-Star break, he has really turned it on. And one of the things that I've liked that Michael Malone has done is he's played him just a little bit more minutes. Usually he was sitting at around 25 to 27 minutes per game before the All-Star break. Uh, Malone did a great job of keeping him fresh, uh, especially with the Nuggets going on a playoff run and, and wanting to have their best guys playing at their best during the playoffs. Uh, but now Paul Millsap is playing 31 minutes per game. He's playing kind of standard starter minutes, uh, a lot of minutes next to Jokic, but also a lot of minutes on the second unit next to Mason Plumley. That's really helped Denver's defense when they can stagger Paul Millsap to help cover for both of those guys. I Jokic does have his defensive deficiencies, but he does well in certain situations. But Mason Plumley also has his own defensive deficiencies. I have been on the kind of the bandwagon that Plumley fouls a lot. Fouls way too much, way more than he should. At one point this year, he was fifth in the entire NBA in fouls, and he's a backup. That that just can't happen if if you're trying to hold down regular principles defensively. 
But overall, Millsap's stats this year, 16.2 points per game, 9.2 rebounds per game, 2.2 assists, 1.4 steals. This is all in the 12 games post-All-Star break. Uh, Those are great numbers. Those are very solid statistics that you don't, you didn't necessarily see from Millsap during the first part of the season. You're seeing 12 points, 13 points, 14 points, and then closer to six or seven rebounds. And he wasn't having as many assists. Uh, the steals were always there, but he has completely come on lately. Uh, 53% from the field, 36% from three. A really solid all-around stat line for a power forward, especially somebody in a complementary role to a guy like Nikola Jokic. Uh, He's done a great job of making things easier for Jokic, and if he's spacing the floor that well, and he's a guy who can finish in the paint uh, with the the dexterity and the skill that he has over the past few games, that's a really big wrinkle that Denver will have in the playoffs. Over the course of these games, Denver's offensive rating has dropped 7.7 points per 100 when he's off the floor. Their defensive rating has also increased 6.5 points per 100 with him off the floor. So when he's on the floor versus off the floor, Denver is better by 14.2 points per per 100 possessions, meaning that he's just super impactful. Uh, There's no way around it. He has completely shown his worth. And while I think that there's some merit that it that Denver just doesn't have a great backup behind him, that 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 could be contributing to some of the high variance in the stats for on-off numbers, I can you can see it on when he's on the floor, like he's just contributing to a very solid all-around defense, and he's hitting his shots right now, so that makes things really easy offensively. Um. But kind of just tangibly, he's he's shown his impact over the past four games. He had 23 points on just 12 shots versus Minnesota, a team leading plus 25, 33 points on 19 shots versus Dallas, and he kind of, as I mentioned before, saved Jokic uh, for three quarters while Jokic was not performing well. Uh, he had the game-winning bucket versus Indiana. He was the go-to option while Jokic was sidelined with an ejection. And he had the four-point play to ice the game in Boston. Uh, went one-on-one multiple times to go against Al Horford. Uh, this guy's unbelievable. He's he's completely come out of nowhere over the past few weeks. Has done a great job. Has stepped up to the challenge that the Nuggets, I'm sure, have challenged him to kind of assert himself as one of the veterans on the team. Uh, this is going to be a time where... Jamal Murray is going to be he's going to be really young in this playoff series and he's going to have times where he's scoring just 6 points or 12 points on 15 shots or Jokic is going to show his age as well where he doesn't necessarily play well for 100 minute like 100% of the time and that's fine you don't necessarily have to have those guys play well if you have a guy like Paul Millsap that can help cover for their deficiencies uh, this really shows up on defense as well. When when you're talking about a guy with that playoff experience who can 
defend as well as he has. He's 14th in the NBA in defensive real plus minus. He's in the 91st percentile defending isolations. He's 49th percentile defending spot-ups, although he defends those 40% of the time. So you can understand why that's why that number is not as high. Uh, He's just an all-around force, has proven his worth on the offensive end over the course of the past 12 games, has proven his worth defensively over the course of the past two seasons. Uh, This is a guy who clearly doesn't have anything left to prove, but if he was able to continue to contribute over the course of the next few weeks and into the postseason, that would be so big for Denver. Unbelievably big, especially when the game slows down. Millsap's a guy who is comfortable playing at a slow pace. He can go one-on-one. He can grind out possessions, show off his skill set against an inferior defender, and then he can also cover for guys in the half-court defensively. That's where he shows. That's where the Nuggets probably need to live when they get to the playoffs is just operate at a methodical pace, and that's perfectly fine. That's exactly how they should do. That's exactly how Millsap's going to help them. So, all right, we'll take another break. Be right back. We're back. Nuggets numbers. Ryan Blackburn here. Just me today. Wanted to quickly talk about Denver clinching their playoff seed. How, how, what that means. I know I touched about it uh, earlier in the program. Uh, it's not. It's not just a. It's. It's not just a. It's. It's not just a token of appreciation. I'll. I'll go there. It's. It's not like a. It is just something very tangible for them, something, a very large step in the process. Denver has been such a methodical team and organization when it comes to development. They've had opportunities in the past to trade for Paul George and Jimmy Butler and Kevin Love and some of the big name guys out there who have changed teams over the past couple of years. They've had teams that wanted Jamal Murray that wanted Gary Harris, that wanted Nikola Jokic in trades. But Denver said no to all of them, and for good reason. They knew that they had something special in these guys, and and they committed to taking the time, taking the steps to transition from being an average team to being a good team to now they're simply a great team. They are simply one of the best teams in the NBA built on their depth and their star power surrounding Jokic. That is one of the ideal traits and one of the defining traits for them as a team. That may come into question in the playoffs, but the first thing they had to do was to clinch a playoff spot. As we saw in the postgame celebration, they feel it. They understand what this means. They're not necessarily like completely satisfied, but they understand how big this means and what it truly means for the organization. So now I want to talk about how, because Denver has clinched so early, it basically means that they have locked up a top three seed in the playoffs. Uh, The Warriors and the Rockets are likely the other top two seeds. Oklahoma City used to be there. They're not there anymore. Portland, I don't think, is going to be able to catch any of those teams just because the Rockets have a very weak schedule. 
and the Nuggets are just a little bit too far ahead, as are the Warriors. So I think in some order, those three teams are going to be the top three seeds, barring a weird turn of events. That ensures that the Nuggets don't face either the Warriors or the Rockets in the first round. So score one for the good guys right there, because those are the two teams that the Nuggets struggle with the most. Uh, The two previous Western Conference Finals teams, uh, the Dynasty Warriors, you can understand why they're struggling with them. They don't have a guy to match up with Kevin Durant. Steph Curry's really freaking good. Uh, They don't have a guy to match up with James Harden on the Rockets. Chris Paul is really freaking good. Uh, that's just it. That's they. Those teams are likely going to be losses if the Nuggets come matched up with them. And, and Nuggets fans, I'm sure, have not necessarily accepted it, but like understand that that's a very likely scenario. Even and it would still be a success even if they came up against those teams. But now that they aren't in the first round, it's a really big deal because then they have an opportunity to advance in the playoffs and really test their mettle against a team that is a little bit closer to where they are as an organization. I think that Denver's best case scenario is to go all out and try and get the one seed. And here's why. While you may get tired, while you may experience a a very tough and rigorous end to the regular season, if the Nuggets somehow pulled off getting the one seed, it means that that the Warriors and the Rockets are in the two and three seeds in all likelihood. That means that those two teams are playing in the second round. That means that if the Nuggets, if they can beat their eight seed matchup, which I think is is a very reasonable thing for them to do, it means that they wouldn't have to play the Warriors or the Rockets in the second round. That's a major win. Uh, That's a second major win if they were able to do that. So I think that they should go all out. I don't know if it's going to happen, but they do control their own destiny a little bit. They play another game against the Rockets. They play another game against the Warriors. If they were to win both of those games, I think both are on the road. Uh, Those aren't games that the Nuggets are expected to win. If they were able to pull those out, then I think the one seed becomes a really big possibility. And then instead of facing a team like the Jazz or the Spurs in the first round, they're facing the Los Angeles Clippers, who I believe are going to be the eighth seed. That's a way better matchup. As I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when I was breaking down Denver's potential playoff opponents, Uh, the Clippers don't scare me at all. I don't think they scare the Nuggets at all. Lou Williams is obviously very good. He's probably going to win another sixth man of the year award, whether you like it or not. He just hit a major buzzer beater. And unlike Nikola Jokic, his was from like 35 feet. So he's a killer. He knows how to perform in the playoffs. He's been there. He's the exact kind of player that could go off in a playoff series. But Denver has multiple guys that they can throw at him. The Clippers don't necessarily have enough guys to throw at Nikola Jokic. They don't have enough quality defenders across the board on their team. They just traded Tobias Harris. And while they did get back Landry Shamit, Landry Shamit is very young. So I definitely think that Denver would be in a better position if they were facing the Clippers instead of a team like the Spurs and the Jazz or the Oklahoma City Thunder who have precipitously dropped. So, And if they were to stay in the one seed, then that means that they would probably face a team like San Antonio or Portland or Oklahoma City or Utah in the second round. But hey, at least it's not the Warriors or the Rockets. That's a big win. So... If Denver doesn't get the one seed, though, 
then they would still at least have home court advantage in that second round series. If they were able to advance in the first round, and this isn't a given because the West is very deep, the Nuggets don't have a lot of playoff experience. If they were to advance, then they would still have home court advantage in the second round, which in itself is a major accomplishment. You don't see a lot of average teams getting home court advantage in the second round of the playoffs. That's a big, big deal. So I think that if they were if they were able to do that, if they were able to win a playoff series and then host a second round series, that's a successful season no matter what happens in the second round. Uh, that's a it's a big deal, even if they lose to Houston on a sweep. Like Houston just matches up really well with Denver, even if they lost to Golden State on a sweep. Like it's the Golden State Warriors. What do you want them to do? Um, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I think that that's probably where Denver's going to end up. They're probably going to get the second seed. I think the Rockets are probably going to get the third seed. Maybe those two teams are switched. If those two teams are switched, then Denver will have a tougher first-round matchup, I would say, likely against San Antonio or Utah or Oklahoma City. Uh, if they match up against if they match up against Oklahoma City, that's probably a game that they a series that they could win. I think the same thing with San Antonio. Utah is a little bit tougher. I think they're the third toughest matchup outside of Golden State and Houston. So we'll just have to see what happens there, but it could definitely work. Um, and how fun would that series be, honestly? Uh, Utah Jazz, Denver Nuggets, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert versus the, the team that quote-unquote drafted them. Um, that's a narrative that, while it's not necessarily entirely true, would still occur. And then it's just good basketball. Rudy Gobert is one of the only players that has shown an ability to match up against Nikola Jokic and actually frustrate him. I would love to see what Nikola Jokic did in a playoff series to try and combat what Gobert does. I think that Jokic would figure out what Gobert does, but Gobert is also a, a very smart player. He's the defensive player of the year for a reason. Uh, he might give Jokic some problems too. So I still think that Jokic, that Denver could win that series, but it would be a lot tougher. Either way, Denver is in a great position. They have done a great job of making sure to take care of business. They haven't lost a lot of games to teams below them, and that's what has helped them advanced to this position. They are doing very well for themselves, and this season is more than anybody could have really imagined, honestly. If somebody had told me that they were 47-22 and 22 at this point of the season, I would maybe believe it, but it would, it would take a little bit for me. So I'm glad that they're able to do it. I'm glad that they've been able to figure this out. It's been wonderful to watch. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, we'll start to figure out whether they can actually be the one seed, two seed, or three seed, or if for some reason they have a precipitous drop. I don't think they're going to because they play the Washington Wizards and New York Knicks next. So if they win both of those games, then they'll have 49 wins going into a rematch with Indiana. So going to be really interesting. Really excited to see how this goes. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I have here. Uh, Next week, I'll probably do a, another mailbag leading up into the end of the regular season and the playoffs, so I will let you guys know if that's something that actually transpires. If not, 
We'll probably have a big guest on, maybe the head on show himself, Adam Morris. But either way, thank you for tuning into the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network. Please leave a, a rating on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, whether it's on Denver Stiffs. Uh, click that link. That'll be great. We're trying to put out as much content as possible. And oh, I, I started a new series on Denver Stiffs. It's called the NBA Snapshot, which is basically kind of a picture a, a, a single picture for each day of the week. Uh, takes a look at the standings update, takes a look at the games that the Nuggets are that are very important to the Nuggets over the course of the next few weeks. We'll try and continue that through the end of the regular season. So if that continues, hope, hopefully that evolves and we see that perform pretty well. I've, I've had some pretty good responses thus far, so we'll see what happens. But either way, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks.